thank you for watching this week's message. If you have questions, comments, testimonies, or prayer needs, do not hesitate to connect with us on Facebook at First Assembly Meridian or on Instagram and Twitter at fam underscore meridian. If you would like information about service times, small groups, or anything else, head over to our website, firstassemblymeridian.com. We pray this message will encourage and challenge you to be all God has created you to be. Uh, you know what? In, in, uh, in your life and in mine, we always have things that we can stop and give God honor for. We can always stop and give God praise. Every one of us, and we need to be willing to do that on a regular basis. Now, now as we begin the message today, I need some help. I, I need, how many, how many who, who here today can drive a nail with a hammer? All right? I didn't bring my nail gun today, but you can drive a nail with a hammer. Brenda, I saw your hand up. Come on, Brenda. Come up here and get a hammer. All right, who else can do a drive a nail with a hammer? Anybody? Come on, close by. Adrian? All right, okay. Adrian and Brenda, you're going to be the hammer people. All right, y'all going to be the hammer people. All right, don't hit nobody's finger with a hammer. All right? All right. All right, now, I don't know. Wait, this is a hammer? She said, wait, this is a hammer. All right, and, and these are called nails, okay, just in case, you know. And th there's no gun to shoot these. You have to, okay. All right, so I'm going to, you're going to need way more than one, okay, because we're building a gate, okay. We're building the gate as we repair the walls of the city. All right, and for those of you that are guests today, let me just go ahead and lay a little bit of a groundwork uh, for, for what we're going to do or what we've been doing. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah for a while. And in the book of Nehemiah, the story goes that, that the people of Israel were repairing the walls of the city. The walls were broken down, and the gates had been burned by fire. And of course, we've got a facsimile, if you will, of the broken wall that is being repaired. And, uh, and this, as, as uh, simple as it may be, is to represent a gate. Now, I don't know if you, uh, if, if you have picked up on this or not. We started the, uh, the gate last week just a little bit, put a few planks on the gate, and, uh, and on each one of the planks of the gate, there, there's a word written on the planks of the gate that represent areas of need that might be important to men and women of God. Now, when, when we remember the story of Nehemiah, and we, uh, we give ourselves to studying that, you've got to remember this. You need to mark this down in your heart and mind. You need to remember that the people that were working on the wall and building the gates, they were working in those places that mattered the most to them. The priests were working first and foremost. They worked on the sheep gate and on the wall that were, was, uh, was near the temple area and the sheep gate. There were others all around the wall of that city that were repairing those places that were close to them. And so when, when, while we can't necessarily build 12 different gates, and listen, why would we be limited to 12 in our day and time anyway? There were 12 gates that were damaged and destroyed around the city of Jerusalem, but there may be, there may be far more gates than that, or representations of gates than that in our life. For, so, for instance, I held up the one while ago that had church on that. See, I think that that is a significant gate. 
already on this gate, on the, on the gate that we're building, the construction that's taking place, we've got family. We're going to talk about family today. But how many of you would recognize that the family has been under attack? The family has been under assault, all right? That being the case, how many of you would recognize that the church has been under attack and under assault, all right? Now, so here's what I need for you to do. I need about nine people to volunteer quickly, and I want you to come up here, and I want you to find one plank apiece, all right? All right, one plank apiece. Teresa, can I just call on you, and you lead the way? Yeah, all right, come on up here. I'll let you have your pick first, okay? I want you to come up here. And I want you to look at these boards, and I want you to find one that really seems to matter to you, something that is close to your heart, whether it's single parenting or community or inner city or church or, or, or commitment or school. You, you see what I'm saying? So, so she picked up marriages, all right? All right, come on. All right, come on, Buck. Come on, guys. Come on. All right, there's, there's some more. You already got yours picked out. You understand what? All right, the schools, okay? All right. Can you believe it? Buck got commitment. All right. How about that? All right. I, I, I didn't mean anything by that. I was just saying. All right. All right. Who else? Come on. We've got, uh, we got some more. We've got four more. I need four more guys. Okay. One. All right. Come on. Two. Let's let big folks do this, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. We've got, got two more after this. Come, there you go. There you go. You better run because Eric's coming. You better get ahead of him. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, now, now I, want you to, I want you to kind of spread out just a little bit. Come this way a little bit, guys, so you can spread out. And, uh, and, and, and hopefully you've got these, that, that the, these uh, the church, single parents, inner city, community, commitment, honesty, schools, marriages, uh, faithfulness, okay, that, that all of them. And then on the wall already, we've got sons and daughters and wives and homes and family and morals and integrity. All right, now here's what I want you to do, okay. Nail ladies, y'all ready to go? On each side, I want y'all to start building this wall. Now you see how they go up. You see how, you see how the, see how I'm talking about? Basically the ones that are on this side go on this side. Okay, all right, follow the, yeah, you got it right. There's a pattern to it, all right? Now, they're going to work on this, and they're going to be building this wall while I talk to you, just, or, or this gate while I talk to you just a little bit. Now, it's going to be kind of distracting. They're making noise over there. Oh, isn't that awful? Isn't that terrible? I mean, are we going to be able to live with construction going on, with, with progress being taking place? Are we going to be able to live with repair being done? Are we going to be able to be the people that are able to recognize that in the midst of our day, if we're moving forward, if we're accomplishing for the Lord, the things that he has called us to is sometimes will be messy. It'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit, maybe a little chaotic because it's unnatural and it's not normal to have all these folks at the front of the sanctuary. There might be a little bit of noise from time to time when we're working on building the church that the Lord has called us to build. Now, I don't know if you guys can hear me or not, but, but you know, I told you we were going to let the big people help us. Can y'all come stand with me just for a moment? Come here. I want you to all... Jeremiah, Jeremiah Rosa, can y'all come stand with me just for a moment? 
Come on, Rosa. Come on. I want you to stand right up here with me, all right? I, I want you to see something just for a moment. I want you to, to hear today that we are building a church that is not going to be for the people that are my age and older, for sure, okay? Because one of these days, we're going to glory. And if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, we're going to leave a church and build a church for these guys, and they need a church that will be solid and firm and established, amen? Amen? And, and sometimes these guys can, can be a little—sometimes their hands are sticky, did you know that? Sometimes your hands are sticky, aren't they, right? All right, he said, not mine, not mine, my sisters, all right? But sometimes, sometimes they, they make a little bit of mess. Sometimes they can be noisy. No? No, y'all aren't like that? Okay, y'all can go sit down then. I had to get my children, because my children are like that sometimes. My grandchildren are like that sometimes. The, the point is... That, that we can't always have it the way that it just suits us. We don't come into this place so that the air will be right and the seats will be comfortable so that we can accommodate our own ideas and attitudes and our own likes and our own dislikes, our own needs. We, we, can't, we can't really do that. What we ought to do is we ought to say, you know what, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to let the Lord use me to accomplish the task, task and accommodate the goals that he has given us. And what he has called us to do is to build a church or, or, or better yet, to rebuild a church uh, that has suffered damage and some level of devastation over time. Is that I believe that the walls of the church, the walls of the church world across America have, have, have really suffered. I believe, Buck, did she hit your hand? She's like, you all right? Twice, hit it twice, all right? Just checking, all right? I, I believe that the walls of the church have suffered damage. Thank you, Teresa. You led the way and inspired those folks. I believe that the walls of the church and the gates of the city, as it were, have suffered, uh, have suffered damage over time and have caused us to, to not be fully what God has called us to be. And, and in some of the areas of our, uh, our, our greatest need are things like, like the, the fam family, family ministry, family uh, strength, uh, the character of the family, the, the integrity of the family. Sometimes morals within the family. All of these things are related in one way or the other. But, but what, what better represents family sometimes than, uh, or, 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 uh, or is certainly related than single parent families? Single parent families are, are, are a, a symptom of, of, a, of, a, of a larger issue, that's for sure. But, but e even in those families where there is a mom and a dad and divorce has not taken place, sometimes we still have something that looks more like a single parent family than, than we do others. Are they through? How about that? Come on, give these guys a good hand clap. All right. Y'all did awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Next week we'll have men nailing it up and I'll bring the nail gun. Because I'm not sure they'll be able to have... Never mind. I'm sorry. She wanted the nail gun, all right? Well, next time I'll let you know and you bring your own because you probably got one, right? Yeah, all right. But the point, the point that I want to make today is that we are in the process of building and rebuilding in God's kingdom. 
Uh, and, and we must be content, uh, uh, we must be committed, we must be uh, diligent, we must be uh, 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 alert to the fact that there is a need because we're not just doing this for ourselves. If, if it was just about Pastor David and myself, you know, I mean, if, if it was just us, then we could coast from now on. I have been in places, I have followed pastors in days past in, in small rural areas where, where the word was that that pastor was just, he was just kind of coasting until he could retire. I want you to know this. I want to go on record today to say this, that I don't know when I'm going to retire, but I do not plan on coasting any day between now and then. Amen? I plan to, 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 to the day that I stop serving um, or, or, or serving as a pastor, I plan to be running with all of my strength, with all of my might. I plan to be hearing the voice of the Lord and chasing the vision of God and doing my best to accommodate and accomplish what God has called for me to do as a pastor. Somebody say amen. Because that's how it ought to be with all of us. I don't believe that we come to a place where we say, well, I'm an elder, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm a senior, I'm this or that, and, and so it's time to quit. No, it's time to get started. Somebody said, you know what, I'm retired now, I can lay back. No, if you retire, I want to use you more. That means you're not encumbered with a job. Come on, let's get together and let's build a church because there are people out here that need to know that God has a plan for their lives. Now, if we look into the Word of God in Nehemiah in chapter 5, I want you to know that, that to this point, these people have been building the wall. And you know from where we've been so far that, that, uh, that they've been building the wall. They're making good headway on the wall and uh, making good progress along the way. And, uh, and, and when they get, they, they, they get to a certain point with the enemies of, uh, of Israel showing up and all the contention of the day, all the trouble and the struggles uh, that, that, that they have to face, uh, even so, they're making good headway. They, they, they are people that have decided that they're going to work with one hand on their tools and another hand on their weapons. The people that are building the walls and building the gates, they have girded themselves with the weapons of warfare so that they can not only accommodate the goal or the task that is at hand, uh, but so that they can defend the work of God. Uh, the first thing that we need to know is that we need to be the kind of people that are willing to defend the work of God. Is that there's not always going to be people around us that are going to be supportive. They're not going to always understand everything that there is to understand about the vision. They're not going to understand. And sometimes there will be detractors. And what we need to do is become the kind of people that will say, Oh, no, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, no. You need to just be, hold your peace, keep your mouth shut. You're not going to stop what God has called us to do. We're going to march forward for the Lord every day of our life. We're going to serve Him. We're going to build a church. We're going to rebuild a church. We're going to repair the gates of the city. And, and we're going we're to follow the good example that we have in the Word of God. Well, that's what was going on with these guys. Now, how many of you know that sometimes when you're in the midst of a process, you're, you're accomplishing something, sometimes something else comes up? You know, I mean, it just happens. I shared a little bit about this with our Sunday school class this morning. Sometimes 
something else comes up. You can be on your way to somewhere and something else will come up. You'll have good plans. You've thought it out. You made up your mind what you're going to do and something else comes up. That ever happened with you? I'm just curious. You ever have something else comes up? You know, here's a good one right here. This happens to me all the time. I can get a little bit of extra money and I can have a plan for what that money is going to go for and what happens? Something else comes up, right? Oh, come on. I think y'all can help me with that. And what happens? Something else comes up. Well, what happened in this passage of Scripture in the midst of the people working, I, I want you to hear, beginning in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1, I'm going to read uh, just a few verses here to you. Uh, probably about five, it says this. And then there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against the Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters are many, therefore let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and our vineyards and our houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. But there, there were also those who said, We've borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and our vineyards. And yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been bought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when I'm reading the, the, the account of, of the wall being rebuilt, the, the enemy being rebuffed, the accomplishment miraculously that is happening, this almost feels a little bit like an intrusion into the story. I mean, it, it almost like, okay, let's stop the progress and let's talk about this. But the point is that Nehemiah found that there were problems in Jerusalem that went way beyond the brokenness of the wall and the, and the gates that were burned. Nehemiah found that there were, there were problems among the people. And the people had found themselves in, in great debt and great distress as a result. They had found themselves in a place where they were unable to even provide for their basic needs and to take care of their own, uh, their own debts. And they had become indentured and indebted to and almost servants of their brethren within Jerusalem. There were people that were willing to take advantage of a, of a bad situation. And, uh, and because of, the, the, of a famine or economic necessity or sin... Everybody say sin. Sometimes sin will wrap you up and keep you bound longer than anything else you can ever know. The average people of Jerusalem, they were the folks that were building the walls and, and, and building the walls and repairing the gates. They were, they were out there alongside the nobles. They were out there alongside those that were, that were a part of the leadership. They were, they, they were doing a lot of the work on the wall, and they began to complain about their situation. And they said, aren't we not Jews like everyone else? Aren't we uh, brethren like everyone else? And yet, look at our situation in life. They had to borrow money from the wealthy to pay their bills or to pay their taxes or, or simply to buy food. And, and in doing so, they had mortgaged and sold their own land and their own homes. And, and they were living like slaves in their indebtedness to their lenders. They found themselves dependent upon 
their lenders for everything they had. And they were powerless to do anything about it. In fact, that scripture says, it is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. And, and, and I want you to think for just a few moments with me, if you will, about the condition of man in our day and our time. Uh, the condition of sin in the hearts of man. The separation of man from God. It is not in our power to do anything about that. But there is one who has redeemed us. Come on. We cannot redeem ourselves, but there is one who has offered redemption for us for the cost, the purchase price of our sin. Our sin causes us to become indebted to uh, that, that, that sinful nature. It causes us to become indebted to that, that sinful practice. We, we become controlled by our, our habits and our hang-ups or wh whatever terminology we might want to use. But, but we also live in a day and a time where in a large degree we are debtors to, those, uh, to, to others around us and let me, let me say that in, in proper usage, I don't think debt's a bad thing uh, because I think we all probably have some debt along the way. But when we come to a place where we are no longer our own, where we no longer have our own freedom, we no longer are able to, to, uh, to attend to the matters of grace, where we're no longer able to, to be generous with our giving, where we're no longer able to, to be the people freely that God has called us to be, then, then there's a problem. And we need to consider the problem that, that faces our families uh, today. You see, those folks found themselves dependent. Everybody say dependent. They were dependent on a, on a lot of things, but 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 if you look at our day today, we, you know there's a there is a, a a kind of a parallel in our lives, in our communities, in our families. There's a parallel today in in, in the in the idea of the slavery. Uh, now I know we don't use those terms as uh, as loosely as they did in those days. Or, or as directly as they did in those days, maybe I should say. But, but there is, a, there is an in, indebtedness that leaves, leads to something akin to slavery that we experience often in our communities and in our society. And, and I want you to think about this for just a few moments. What about someone that has an addictive issue in their life? What about someone that has an addiction? Can I just pick on addiction for a moment? I don't want to pick on addiction. I just want to use that as, a, as an example. And you know, I, 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 um, I saw somebody one time, they were, they were giving out, uh, I don't know whether it was Chick-fil-A uh, uh, sandwich uh, samples or what. You know, they were, you know, you go to, used to, you go places and they say, here, try this, right? You go to Sam's, what do they do? They got all those nice little, grandmother ladies out there and they're handing out this this you know food pastor david goes and he has a whole meal there no he doesn't i'm not playing i'm sorry i'm sorry but you, you know i mean there are people that will they will cruise from one little station to the other you know and they'll go back wiping their mouth no i didn't have any i promise you know uh but, but you know why those folks are doing it? they're trying to get you hooked on that they want you to go buy some and their hope is that you're going to like it so much, you'll buy it, and you'll take it home. Your kids will like it. You'll have to buy it for them boys 
and get some more the next time. You understand what I'm saying? Isn't that the same way a crack dealer operates? Come on. Come on. Now, now please, don't anybody get mad at me. I'm not calling Sam's a crack dealer. I did not do that. I did not do that. All right? All right? But I just had somebody go, yeah, they give out free samples. And you know why they do? Because they want to get you hooked. Right? I, I mean, I, I can remember when Terry and I were young, young in our marriage. And, and, and I remember when, when, uh, when it was a big deal to get a credit card. I mean, it, it used to didn't be a hard, I mean, it used to it didn't be an easy thing. I mean, in the early days, I mean, it was, it was tough sometimes to get a credit card. But I remember somewhere along the way, man, I started getting credit card offers. I'm like, look at this. I am somebody now. How many of y'all are somebody? I'm just curious. You get those things rolling in all the time, right? Look, I know people that, that make a habit of just transferring. I don't know if they ever pay any debt. They just transfer their balance. They just roll it over and roll it over and roll it over. I don't know what the outcome of that's going to look like one of these days. You know, I, I don't want to think about it. But I will tell you this, that there are people that will give you something for nothing with a strong string attached to that thing so they can reel you in later. All right, all right now, and, and so I'm not talking about debt. I'm not talking about crack. I'm not talking about Sam's. I'm talking about the nature of man that has a tendency to give himself to something that has the potential of taking over his or her life. And that's what we're talking about today when we're talking about uh, the, the, the slavery of addiction, whether it's drugs or gambling or, or, or media. Sometimes it can be something as simple as, as, uh, as Internet games. I used to work for a man here in Meridian years ago. He, he was the owner of the store that I worked for, and, uh, and he got hooked on Internet games. He wasn't gambling. He wasn't change, chasing women. He was sitting up till 2 and 3 o'clock every morning, I mean, playing games. He'd come in to work. His eyes would be bloodshot. He just couldn't stand to, to stay awake. He would come in. He would do a few things, and then he would disappear. And we thought for a while he was going home to sleep so that he could play the games the next day. No, no, we found him at the arcade down the, down the way in the mall playing more games. He was addicted to playing those, those games. And, and as silly as that may sound, that was the forerunner of a lot of what we've got going on today. In fact, I, can, I, can I have my phone back just for a moment? You know, it's kind of funny. Terry and I will, will have lunch, and uh, we'll, we'll be together. I have this, this uh, thought cross my mind every once in a while. She's got her phone. I've got my phone. Her phone will beep in the middle of, uh, of, of our lunch. My phone will beep in the middle of our lunch. I'll pull mine out, and I'll look at it. I glance across the table at her, and she's looking at her phone. And we're having an intimate lunch together with about 15 other people at the same time. You understand what I'm saying, right? And we do those kind of things. In fact, you know, we will be in our house sometimes, and I'll be on one end of the house, and she'll be on the other. And uh, in fact, the other day, she yelled down the hall, Are you not getting my text? 
I was, I, was, I was not getting her text. My phone was off or I was away from it or, or something, and I'm like, uh, I'm in trouble. I didn't answer her text. Now, now, how many of you, uh, I'm just curious, how many of you are like that? Come on. Come on. Oh, come on. Don't leave me and my wife out here by herself, all right? All right, come on. How many of you are like that, right? Years ago, I, I knew there was a family in our church that would sit on their couch together in the living room, and they would talk on their computers back and forth to one another. Now, okay, I see y'all. You're pointing at one another right now, yeah. Let's, let's do something. Now, let's use this as a tool, but not as a master. Come on. Let's use this as a tool, but not as a master. How many of you, when you've gotten to multiply something, now you pull out your smartphone? Are you getting my text? Thank you, Eric. <laughs> I'm going to have a board meeting tomorrow, okay? The point is that we will allow all kinds of things into our life that will, that will take our time, that will take our attention, that will cause us to, to, uh, to be taken off track if we're not careful. And in your family and in my family, there's a lot of things there that represent family. But the scripture from the previous chapter said, said, I want you to remember your God, but I want you to be willing to fight for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. It also said, be willing to fight for your brethren. And so when we are working on building the walls of the church, strengthening the foundation of the church, if you will, the gates of the church, uh, uh, when we are standing for those things that are important to the church, the biggest thing that is important to the church are people. Sons and daughters, husbands and wives, I'm telling you that it is people that we are here to build up and to strengthen and to encourage. And, and from time to time, we have to have something like this structure right here. But the biggest thing that we are to be engaged in is the building of people, the deliverance of people through the issues of life and, and trying to help people come along to, to becoming everything that God has ordained that they should become. And I am willing to let you know, I, I am aware of the fact that there, there's Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem that is constantly challenging us for attention along the way. There's, they're the enemies of our soul that is always doing their best to, uh, to try to get us off track, to get us, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe dependent upon something else, to, to demand our time, uh, anything that becomes demanding our, of our time or, or becomes uh, demanding of our focused attention or, or in control of our decision-making has become our master. Uh, so, so think about this. Your schedule can literally become your master instead of you becoming the master of your schedule. Hear me? Your schedule. Where do you have to be after church? Where do you have to be tomorrow morning? Everybody's got to go to work, right? But after work, some of you guys, I, I don't know how younger families do it today. I thought that Terry and I were the busiest people the world had ever known with pastoring churches, raising children, doing our thing. And we did a great job at it, by the way. I think our kids turned out well. Amen? I think they turned out marvelous. Amen? 
But I don't know how, how Lacey and Les, I don't know how Bobby and Bob, I don't know how Casey and Robert, you know, I look into their lives at all the things that they're trying to stuff in there, and I'm not trying to put all your business out there in front of everybody. I'm just saying, guys, whoo, I don't know how you do it because they are just like everybody else. Everybody today is trying to fill their lives. If you've got a few extra minutes, uh, I, I mean, wh what, what do the kids say? I'm bored. Do you, your kids ever say that, by the way? I'm just curious. Your kids, grandkids, ever say they're bored? Yes. Come on. Say, baby, I'll trade with you. I want to be so bored. I... <laughs> you know? How many of you would just love to be bored just for a few moments? Come on. You know what that means? It means you don't have a thing to do. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Yeah. I don't have a thing to do. You know what, baby? I'm looking forward to the day where we don't have a thing to do. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah? You know what will happen at the Knoll Farm? We'll walk outside without a thing to do, and a cow will go, moo. That's what they do. But the point I'm trying to make is that there are always those demands on our time, and there is absolutely no question that the enemy is, is, is diligently working against the family. So it's, it's vitally important that we recognize that there is an enemy that we make up our mind that we're going to be vigilant, we're going to be alert, we're going to be uh, prepared for the attacks of the enemy along the way, and we recognize that sometimes his attacks are just whispers and suggestions. You know, the enemy sometimes, like Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, he will set us up for failure, and he will, then he'll ridicule us because we, we did fail. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it is especially true for those folks that are committed to personal growth in the Lord. You know, when, when, you, are, are, when you make up your mind, you know what, I'm going to do right. And we, always, we all have to come to the place where we make up our mind, we're going to do right. I, you know, a lot of us have been to this altar over the years. We come to the altar. We got a hold of God. We said, Lord, I am giving it all over to you, Lord. I need your help. I want to make it right. I want to be the man or, or, or I want to be the person that you've called me to be. Uh, you know, you've been there, right? You've done those things, right? Come on, you've done those things. And how many of you have done those things? You walked out those doors, and before you knew it real well, you blew it again. Come on. Come on. Okay, I got four or five folks, 10 or 12 folks. Uh, I mean, I'm just tell, I just want to know. I want to make sure y'all are with me. And if you'll say amen, I'll get you out of here in time, I promise. Thank you. <laughs> Would somebody watch Buck back there? We, brother, just come on. Keep, keep up. Okay. See, in your life and in mine, there are those, those things, those times that, that we get... Uh, well, when we, we just push out, we allow ourselves to be pushed into a corner or we allow ourselves to be, to be molded or shaped into an image that we never were intended to be. And, and then, you know, the, the enemy sees us trying to break out of that. And, buddy, he wants to camp out on our doorstep. Sometimes when we make up our mind, Lord, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to submit, my, surrender myself to you. I'm going to make it right between me and you. Then the enemy kind of piles up at our door, and he tries to give us a little bit of trouble. Can I just encourage you just for a minute? If the devil's been after you, it's probably because you've been doing something right. If you haven't been trying to do something right, the devil doesn't care about you, baby. You're already doing what he wants you to do. Come on. 
Now, now, so the, the answer is, am I going to stand with my elder brother Jesus that has already defeated that enemy, and I'm going to go through and live my life for the Lord in a way that's going to honor God, or am I going to just idle through life and just kind of meander through and be subject to whatever comes my way? You see, in your life and in mine, I, I want you to know that we, don't, we, we should never be content with being stuck. We should never be content with not changing. We should never be content with not growing. We should never be content with the brokenness of the walls around us and the, and the disrepair of the gates, if you will. We should never be content to take things as they are, but we ought to be driven to say, Lord, I want to honor you with all my heart, with all my life. I want to be an example for other people because, and I want to leave something for those guys that are going to be following me because, uh, because I, I, I want you to know it is vitally important for the walls uh, of our churches to be rebuilt because we're living in a day when the walls of the churches are being whittled away at and broken down uh, in a large measure. And I worry about these children if, if one day those of us in my generation and, 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 uh, and close uh, proximity to my generation, when we're gone, what will the church look like? Well, as I already told you in, in recent weeks that, that today in America, about 20% of Americans attend church on Sunday mornings. By, by uh, 20, uh, 2055, that is expected to be only about 11%. If the Lord tarries, that means if he does not come back before then, your children and your grandchildren are going to be attending churches that only 11% of our nation attends. Now, not many years ago, I went to, a, to an African con, uh, country to do a mission trip, and when we were there, we were told only 5% of that population were Christians. What, how much difference is there between that 5% and that 11% that we are running toward? Now hear me. I, I understand that, that while only 11% might go to church, there may be a whole lot more that believe, but we need to get it in our heart and our mind that the devil believes and he fears and trembles. We need to recognize that just because we believe in God doesn't make us right with God. When we're right with God, we're going to live for God and we're going to run after Him with all of our heart and soul and our might. So we've got to recognize the need. We need to do our best to be committed to the task. You know, if you look at the, at the, at the gate over there, and you know, there, there are a couple of things that we could be committed to, and one of those is commitment. You know, to be committed to the task of, uh, of building or rebuilding or, or becoming what God has ordained that we should become. And we need to remember our God. We, from all of the scripture that we've read so far in this book, there, there's some great nuggets of truth. And there are one of those places where Nehemiah said this, you need to remember the Lord. You need to remember the Lord and you need to know that he will fight for you. Now, next time that you feel like you are facing an adversary that is mocking you and ridiculing you and shouting you down and telling you that your life doesn't count and you can't make any difference and, and what, you, what you do is not going to matter, 
You need to remember the Lord. Amen? The next time you feel like you're not worth anything and you're not able, what do you need to do? You need to remember the Lord. You know, when you remember the Lord, you remember, Al, what God thinks about you, not what, you, what your, your, your neighbor or the person next to you thinks, what God thinks about you. You know what he says? He said, that's my beloved son. He, he says, that's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said, he is more than a conqueror through Christ who loves him. That's what God thinks about you. You are the apple of his eye, and he cares deeply for you. But you know what? There's always Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And their job is to get us off track and to cause us to forget what we're about. And, and I, uh, sadly, in America, much of the church world has forgotten what we're about. Uh, a lot of the church world's got, got geared up to fight one another instead of fighting the devil. And, in America, a lot of the church world would rather criticize one another from one side of the sanctuary to the other rather than fight the devil. When, when, when people are dying and going to hell across the street, there are church folks that are content to argue over the temperature in the room. Well, look, I, I'm tickled to be able to offer, you know, 70 degrees on this side and 68 on this side. <laughs> Being facetious, but, but guys, look, it's, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him, and it's about his plan. You know what? The, the, the simple fact is that, that, that no matter what we face we need to recognize that the family is the is the is is experiencing the full force of satanic attack today and we need to recognize our responsibility for building and rebuilding for strengthening and restoring the family within the church because i, I believe with all my heart that if the family goes down the church will go down if the church and the family go down the nation goes down I'm just telling you, it's as simple as that. And we need to be people that are willing to recognize the place of the mom and the dad and the children and the family. You know, we, we, look, I, I'm not trying to take us back to, a, to, a, to an archaic uh, kind of society, but look, I believe that God has a design for the man, for the man of God within the family. Everybody just say that, man of God. We don't use those terms anymore, do we? But we ought to say man of God. And man of God doesn't just mean the pastor. It means you guys. Are you a man of God? Are you a man of God? Can you without hesitation say, I am a man of God? If you can't say that, then you need to fight your way back to be able to say that because that's what God wants you to be able to have in your character and in your identity. I am a man of God. Woman of God? Can you say, I am a woman of God? Or, 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 or are you like David? Or are we all like David who, who found himself in a place where he said, my sin is ever before me. And that's just like the people that were ran had, had ransomed their homes and their land. They said, we can't redeem it, but God can. Come on, God can. Now, I, I will just tell you today, see, I think every preacher in this house, every deacon, in this place, every staff member we have, every teacher, every children's worker, every secretary, I think that we ought to be replicating ourselves. I think, I, look, I think that it's in my responsibility that I ought to be raising up preachers. 
I hope some of these young folks are getting a little bit along the way and I'm pouring into their lives and, and there's no telling what God will accomplish. So I think that I'm supposed to duplicate myself along the way. And Pastor David, I just named every paid position of our church saying that's what our responsibility is. But, but it goes way beyond that. You see, see, it's not just the paid staff of the church that's supposed to duplicate itself. In the Lord, we're supposed to be men of God and women of God, and we're supposed to be duplicating ourselves, whether we're pastors or whether we're truck drivers. I'm telling you today that we ought to be giving ourselves to the, to the raising up of leaders uh, for the days to come because we are living in a leaderless society. People are blindly following whoever will take the lead, and it is time for us to realize that we are pouring in to the younger generation. We need to be sure that we're pouring in godliness, that we're pouring in character, that we're pouring in virtue, that we're pouring in morality, that we're pouring in the Word of God so that people can become what God has ordained that they should be. You see, when we're talking about building the wall or repairing the gates... We're talking about the children that we're pouring into. The people that, not have, that have not yet heard the, the, God, the, the call that God has on our lives for the days to come. We've got a responsibility to duplicate ourselves. Actually, let's don't say duplicate ourselves. You know, what, what if we were perfect? Duplicates would be good. But it's kind of like when I write a letter to the church. When I write a letter, you know what I do? I, I write it, I read it, I run spell check on it, I read it again, then I hand it to my wife. You know why I do that? Because I have a tendency to be so proud of the work I did that I read it the way it ought to be. You understand? And because I read it the way it ought to be, I can overlook mistakes. I'll hand it to my wife. I'll say, here, baby, mark this up, read it, look at it. She'll go, wow, that's a good letter. What are you doing? You made some mistakes. No, I didn't. I read that thing four times. Yeah, you did. In your life and in mine, when we read the letter of our life, we overlook our own mistakes but it's easy to spot someone else's. We need to submit ourselves to the master proofreader and say, Lord, show me my way. Let me know for sure what it is. Then I can duplicate myself to be appropriate. See, it wasn't, many, wasn't terribly long ago I had one of those letters I was so proud of, Amy. And it through the copier. We ended up with 150 copies that had spelling errors in it. Guess where they went? To the garbage, because y'all weren't going to get that. I'd say, that secretary of mine, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> you, get the, you get the point, right? You understand what I'm saying? You see... It's not enough that your children hear that church, is, church and spiritual matters are important. It's not enough that 
that, that they hear it, you got to show them. You got to show them. And, and when you're showing them, you've got to show them that the things of God matter more than anything else. You need to make an impression on their young lives. And you need to show that church is essential to your family. You say, I, I, I've, I've just got to say, you know, our, our faith is lived before our children. Our faith is told to our children, and, uh, and they need to see both sides. They need to see the showing and the telling, uh, and, and they need to know from you what Jesus Christ, the Messiah, what difference he has made in your life. And until you are, are willing to do that, you're not going to make a difference in their lives in a spiritual way fashion now, I've been through some of this along the way some of us old guys that have been around a while you know I, now I can't call your name out that I've been talking to because you'll go he said I was old but sometimes we'll talk about things back before we got saved you, you, some of you have been in those conversations with me I can remember before I got saved and I wasn't perfect and I wasn't raised to, to, uh, to be a man of God, didn't expect to be a preacher, never, never even thought I needed to go to church. I did some things here and there, not terrible, not great, did some things. You know what I did raising my children? I did my best to keep all of those things from my children. I didn't tell them. Now, there's good and bad in that because I've seen some folks glamorize the old days before, glorify the old days and make it almost something that was worth having. But if I could tell my ch if I could go back and tell my children anything, I would tell them, look, your daddy didn't always know Jesus. I haven't always been as perfect as I am now. And you know better than that. I've made some mistakes. And because of my mistakes, I've had to have God's grace and his forgiveness. Hear me. Sometimes we assume they just get that. They won't until you tell them. They need to hear it. What did Jesus do for you and until you begin to tell your children those things baby mama or daddy we've made mistakes but this is what jesus did to help me get past that until you go there you haven't started building their little wall and repairing their little gate for the church that they're going to need to take over one day when we're gone. We would like to invite you to be a part of FAM's ministry. God has given each of us so much, it is our desire not only to give back, but to inspire others to do the same. To give online, head over to our website and press the giving button, or text the amount to 601-621-4632. Again, if you have any questions or comments, check out our website or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.